夢にまで見たような世界で争いもなく平和に暮らしたい「もう我慢ばかしてらんないよ」「言いたいことは言わなくちゃ」「帰り道夕暮れのバス停」「落ち込んだ背中にバイバイバイ」「君のファイティングポーズ」「見せなきゃおお」「夢にまで見たような世界は」Ended up having some episodes this week, and I don't know how I feel about them yet. I, I think that's something we're going to discover as we go go through this episode. <laughs> well, I know how I feel about one of them at least, and the best way to describe my, my feelings about this episode is I'm sad that I forgot to go take some a couple of goofy screenshots from some, from some real bad jank poses. <laughs> we can、oh. get into that later. <laughs> That's that's pretty good. I, 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 I do remember thinking the animation for like the first episode, at least like half of the first episode we watched this week, was pretty alright. Like, w- w- <laughs> this is. I have words for this. I have words of <laughs> praise, even. Who, who knows? Like, anything could happen this week on It'll Wash Out. Speaking of which, that's what you're listening to right now. It'll Wash Out, a Bleach, Re- a Bleach Rewatch podcast. I'm your co host, Cinna. And I'm your co host, Sam. This is already a disaster podcast. We're,、uh, <laughs> we're making it happen. Do you want to just hop right into it, Sam? Let's just get right into it. So, we've got episode 102 here. Which is the last Quincy, the exploding power. And, you know, I don't know why they felt the need to go the last Quincy here. Like, I get it, it's an Uryu episode, but also it, it's more descriptive than other titles have been. Like, this one's actually alright. The last action Quincy. God. So, we open on some guards who are near the Research and Development Bureau who are just like complaining about their job. Before Karya shows up and is like, la di da da da. Oh, what a fine day it is. And the guards surround him, and we cut to inside RD as Nebu thanks somebody for their hard work. And then we just hear an explosion and an alarm starts sounding. And she's just like, informed of a nearby Ryoka by like a stray Shinigami. And she's like, I'm gonna go take care of him. And he runs out, and then an explosion, like, Uh, assumedly kills this guy and just like leaves Nemo under rubble. 
Yeah, I like I love. There's two things I really like out of the scene. The first is Kadia really is just out on his Sunday morning stroll. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's like, "Hello there, officer. How's it going?" And then he explodes them. Oh, uh, but then also like this scene where we just get a whole bunch of the R and D department working at computers with the walls just covered in screens, like doing shit. I love. This is the most interesting that the R and D has ever looked because usually it's like two people sitting in front of a console yeah and that's it but this is like okay no it's an entire fucking r&d department and they're all like doing shit okay this is a court squad court squad guard court guard squad words that (laughs) that (laughs) it's it's more than the like three dudes yeah, no, like, e- even though I think they could have done better throughout this episode, I do, like, commend them for actually, like, giving a lot of visual appeal to the R&D p- department, because, like, there there is, like, another set piece here that I wish had more screen time that I thought was pretty neat, um, but, like, o- overall, it- it's nice to have more here, and it's also nice to not see Mayuri here. <laughs> That really is the highlight of these episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank uh, you, old man chair bount guy. You're a real one, if only because you put, you put my Yuri out of action. Thanks, King Lazy Boy. Thank you. Uh, we, we cut to Ichigo as he notices the change in spiritual pressure, and Liren's like, oh, it's, um, it's, it's, and then Ichigo's like, it's Karia, and she's like, yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> And Chad shows up, and he's like, hey, and Ichigo's like, are you alright? And he's like, yeah. Is that Karia I sense? And then Nova's like, yeah, it's definitely Karia. And then they just decide to follow Ichigo to help with Karia. And that is the extent of the interaction. No, there is one more important detail, which is Nova has an adorable little angry face. She really does. You're right. How could I miss something so crucial? We uh we then cut to Yoshi, who instructs her doll, Neater, who I I don't know, is this the first time we've gotten her doll's name? I feel like it's not, but also I did not remember it until this this point in time. Um, yeah, well like I think the first time she showed up, she she called her like during the first like Mabashi arc, uh mm. we do get Neater's name, but Yoshi hasn't been none of them really have been calling out the names of their dolls since then, so that makes sense. She does, like, call on Neater and is like, hey, there are some Soul Reapers here. Take them out. And then it does. And then immediately after that, Uduyu shows up, and then the fight begins. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just like, Uduyu shows up, and there's, like, no time to, stop, to just waste. Because they just trash talk for, like, five seconds, and then immediately he starts firing at her. No, no. Yoshi starts trash talking. Ah, yes. <laughs> and Uryu right. just stares at her silently. Af- and after a while, she's like, "What the fuck? Oh God, he's shooting at me!" <laughs> it's really good. It's really, really good. It is very, very good. Uh, she like dodges and sends an attack back at him, and then the fight just kind of continues much in this manner uh, for like uh, I want to say approximately like thirty, maybe forty-five seconds. Um, and then they just, like, 
both jump out of frame, and then we cut to both of them on a rooftop. <laughs> it, it, the animation here is really good. Yeah, well, it's like, because Uryu jumps away. Well, he, like, jumps away, and then he looks back at her, like, expectantly, and then he jumps down the roof, and she's like, okay, well, this is clearly a trap, I guess, I suppose, but fine, you're interesting, sure, I'll bite. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't a trap. I still don't know why he, he like, changed. <laughs> like, there's no rationale given in this entire episode as to why he actually moved uh, the fighting to the other place. I would argue that maybe it was, like, maybe the intention was to, like, protect the Soul Reapers who were, like, unconscious on the ground. But also, taking them directly onto a rooftop feels also like danger to me. So I don't think there is a rational explanation here. I think it was just because, like, whoever was directing this episode in particular was like, oh, what if we had a shot of them on the rooftop? That would be cool. In fairness, a lot of the upcoming shots on rooftops are really sick. Oh, but yeah, also, no. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's the empty Serete district. <laughs> It, much like the abandoned warehouse district, <laughs> we we got the empty Serate district in Soul Society. Yeah, it's most of it, actually. <laughs> Yoshi asks when Uryu will give up on his revenge, and he's like, I'm not out for revenge. And, like, besides, you're one to talk. Like, you're just carrying on this meaningless battle. What do you even fight for? And Yoshi's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Why are you sold? Why are you siding with Soul Reapers? And Uriu says the boldest statement I've ever heard from this man, which is, "I've never sided with Soul Reapers. I'm only here to put an end to senseless violence, with the only way I know how, with more violence." It's like, how dare you insinuate that I'm helping the Soul Reapers here? <laughs> Fuck you! It's so funny. I, God. <laughs> He he swears on his honor as a Quincy that he's going to put an end to this. And then we flash back to Ron Tao, who's like, Hey, remember that Uryu's weapon is very dangerous. I if anything goes wrong, it could blow up anything within, like, I don't know, a lot of space. A lot of it. I forgot the exact measurement because I didn't write it down. But <laughs> Ron Tao definitely says all of that. Um, it's like half a kilometer or something. Like it's a, it's, it's a fair it's a fair distance. Yeah, uh, and then Uri is like, "Well, it's my fight, so I have to use it anyway." <laughs> so we get some more flashy fight sequences that are actually pretty sick. I really like watching Yoshi in motion. Like her abilities are very cool. Uh, but Uryu can't land a solid hit with his power dropping. His power is like fluctuating constantly here. He, he can only dodge, and because of the instability of his weapon, he has to be careful to absorb a very specific amount of reishi. Too little, and the attack will be completely too ineffective. Too strong, and he could destroy everything in the radius, including himself. I might have missed this bit, because the way I was understanding it is that his power was, like, randomly fluctuating between... He, he mentions positive and negative, and when it's negative, he can't aim the bolt, and it kind of just, like, goes off. And when it's positive, it shoots, like, a giant fucking beam. Um, <laughs> although, it feels like an, a like weird tutorial where it's like, you have selected Uryu, this campaign. <laughs> 
Now, for this boss fight, be aware, you can only shoot during certain times or your A will go <laughs> off on the side. Make sure you only fire when the, when the reticle is in the center of the screen. <laughs> like, it just really felt that way for some reason. Although, the he has this really fucking cool moment where he's just sliding backwards. Like, he slides several dozen meters on one foot, like, backwards while aiming his shot. And it's incredibly cool. A lot of the shots here are just very, very cool. Like, I, I really enjoyed watching these two fight. Um, I, I don't know. It, there's something about it. it. It's it's a combination of the animation and the fact that Udi is, like, struggling to actually get off, like, a decent shot. And even when he does get off a decent shot, it's like, he's having trouble aiming it because it's an unfamiliar weapon. And, I don't know. It, it's good. It's good. It feels like a Naruto fight. And like not one of the not one of the like incredibly over um like not the super top end tier animation like the mob psycho tier stuff that you sometimes get, but yeah. kind of like the more low key stuff like the like the tune-in exam. It feels like a Naruto tune-in exam fight. That's what it feels Ooh, like. Ooh, yeah. You're absolutely right. Anyway, uh, Yoshi keeps trash-talking as Uryu fires off another shot, but Yoshi's doll defends her at the last second. The fan part of her doll calls his attacks ineffective, while the sword notes his fluctuating power with each strike. I really enjoy watching her doll argue with itself. It's very good. <laughs> it is really fun. Uh, I, I, the more I think about it, I do think Yoshi's doll is, like, probably in my top three. Like, I, I really like Dalk, but I really like Nieder. Uryu decides he has no choice but to keep firing, but it's no use, because Yoshi stays on the offense while he's just really struggling to land a shot. Yoshi launches him far away into a wall, and then Nieder tells him he should have brought a better weapon. And then Yoshi just calls him naive, and then we just cut back to Karia. <laughs> and that's, like, about the extent of this fight we get this episode. Yeah, we got all the we got all the cool stuff out of the way. Now it's time for plot. <laughs> it's plot time. So Karia, who is now in the research and development bureau, just asks Nemo about the original Bount Crest, but she has no fucking clue what he's talking about. She's like, I don't know what that is. I don't know where it is. And he's like, Oh, I wasn't asking you to tell me where it was. I'll just find it myself, and then I'll take it. And then Ichigo and Chad show up. Like, right at this exact second, as like, what are you planning to do with the original Bount Crest? We just heard you say that. What is it? What are you doing with it? <laughs> and then Karya just does the, the classic villain thing of like, if you want to know my plans, you'll just have to beat me. And then he just immediately disappears. <laughs> I do really, really like the bit where he's talking to Namu and she's like, I have n what? I have no idea what you're talking about. He's just like, oh, don't worry. I wasn't asking you to, like, go fetch it or something. I'm just telling you that I'm here. That's what I'm here to take. <laughs> it's very good. Like, as as boring as Karya's motivations are, I do enjoy watching him on screen because he is an entertaining villain. It's, it, it, it's like, it's the difference between interesting and entertaining, you know? Yeah. 
Ichigo and Chad get Nemu out of the rubble and ask her about the crest, but she really doesn't know. Like, she's like, I wish I could help, but I, I have no idea what he's talking about. I've never heard of this, and neither have any of us, because this is the first time it's ever been mentioned, as far as I'm aware. Chad says they don't need to know where it is, they just need to follow Karya, and the two head off. I was really happy to see Chad, like, being the smart one here, and just being like, hey, we don't need to know the location of this, we can just follow Karya. Yeah, it's like, we don't actually care about the thing, like, we just need to stop him. It doesn't matter what, what it is. Yeah, very, very good. I, I liked this interaction. Car uh the other place in R and D that I was like, this is visually interesting and I wish we got like more of this. Um we like cut to a room that's just like filled to the ceiling with like lock boxes on every wall. Uh and Karya just starts bursting through like the vault door. Um and as he walks in, his crest lights up, and he states that the crest he's looking for should be in this room because his crest is resonating with it. He blows open all of the lockboxes, but then Ichigo shows up, wasting absolutely no time. He's like, Karya! Bankai! <laughs> it's very good. He and Chad start fighting him, and Karya calls them a nuisance, even though he effortlessly deals with Chad. Like, he and Ichigo are fighting in, like, the air here. Chad, like, fires off a few blasts, you know. And then he's like, mm, you guys are a nuisance. And then he just beats the shit out of Chad. And then he and Ichigo fight for a bit. Chad gets chumped out immediately, and it is unfair. It is completely unfair. Like, to be fair, we knew, like, we knew Chad wasn't going to last in this fight. But it still sucks. I suppose we should be happy that Chad actually gets a fight period. Yeah. Because this is, I think, the first thing he's done since his last fight against, uh, like, his team fight against uh, Sawatori. Yeah. I think this is the only thing that Chad has done in this arc. I'm pretty sure it's, like, the only thing he's done, yeah. At least Odihime gets to pretend to be useful by healing Jadonbo, right? Like... Even though it's off-screen. <laughs> God. Odihime and Chad got such the... Like, they got such a bad end of the stick. The short end. The Words. Words are hard. <laughs> Their fights were in the first bounce season. They don't need more. <laughs> they already got theirs. Uh, <laughs> Karya seems surprised because a, like, a crossing blast between him and Ichigo opens up, like, a hole in the floor. And he's like, ah, I would have never expected it to be there and it's just like he stomps on the floor at the edge of this hole and it's like the most extra move i've ever seen because he just stomps on this floor and like a chunk of it comes out and he just like nonchalantly rides this chunk of the floor down to where this original bounce crest is but have you never done this on a snowdrift no where you just you so you climb up on a like 15 foot tall snow drift and then you find the t you find like a part of the top that's kind of like overhanging the rest but it's fr it's kind of mostly frozen solid and then you just stomp on it until it gives away and like you you basically like snowboard down the side of the cliff on your like chunk of ice and snow that sounds sick as hell but no i've never done this i didn't know that it's was a thing it's really fun 
usually, usually, after a few, after a second, if that, the the bit that you're standing on also crumbles to pieces. Yeah. And then you're just kind of, like, falling down the side of Snowdrift, but it's still sick as hell. Yeah, no, that sounds sick as hell. Uh, he lands atop the giant crest, and I don't know when this happened, but now he's shirtless, and he claps his well, hands to get- Oh, what? He- he lands, and then we cut away to a black screen, and we see his coat fly off. Okay, I did not notice the coat flying off. He, I took yeah, this- Yeah, he just- he just throws off his coat when he lands, but in, like, the next scene, he's going to have his coat back on, which implies either he can regenerate the coat, or, <laughs> at the end of this scene in conversation, he picks up the coat and then walk- and then leaves. <laughs> I- I really like this coat regeneration theory. Maybe- maybe that's what this crest is for. God. Uh- so, he lands atop the giant crest, and he's shirtless, and then he claps his hands together, and in German he says, My coat of arms, sleeping under the ground, unite with me and become my strength. And then a huge burst of energy erupts, and now Karya's crest ceases to glow as he claims he now has the ultimate power, because he's Shadow the fucking Hedgehog. His red tattoo turns black. Oh, shit. He claims he's been searching for eons. With the help of Ichinose, he tracked it down to the R&D Bureau. The original crest. Jokai. It is a crest that can purify and erase everything. And it's here because this is where the bounce were created. During the experiments, the incredible energy that was used for it was sealed in this crest. And now that crest is one with Karia. And he's like, I bet you don't even have the, the brain capacity to comprehend what that means, do you? And I'm like, none of us do. This is the first we've ever heard of this crest, my guy. Cardia <laughs> just standing here and he's like, I have become the Jokai. <laughs> Where's his watch? His Jokai watch. God. <laughs> you win this round. <laughs> So, after he explains this, of course this means he's going to use it to blow up Seirate whenever he wants by releasing its energy. Chad and Ichigo are like, is he serious? And then they look at him and see his eyes, and they're like, oh fuck, he's serious, he's gonna do it. And he tells them if they attack him, he'll just release it now. But he's like, if you don't attack me, everybody has one death. To fear me. And then I'll blow up everything. Yeah, it's, it's like... So, the the crest was the thing that they used the first time around to essentially fuel their experiments into, like, soul shenanigans. So, yeah. it's the crest eventually is the thing that created the bounty. And then he's got it, and he can just let loose all of that energy, which is effectively a nuke, and destroy everything in the Serete. When I saw this, and last week, when you were talking directly about, like, Koga, like, think thinking about Karya, like, maybe planning on using a nuke, like, I was like, you know, that could be onto something. And then this happened, I was like, no, you were <laughs> totally right, that's exactly what's going on. <laughs> yeah, well, Karya did say, he's like, yeah, you guys are fighting, but I'm going to go find a thing that can wipe Seireite off the face of the of the earth. And I'm like, well, 
you know. <laughs> it, it, it's a lot. It's it's a lot. My my biggest complaint here is that it feels so tacked on for him to be like, hey, everybody gets one day. It, it, it's like it's purely there because he's evil and he's like, I want people to be afraid of me. <laughs> it, 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 it's the only reason that he's allowing people to live for one more day. <laughs> I was really expecting them to add, like, when he, when Karia's alone or something, that he would add something like, they don't even know it, but it's going to take me a whole day to figure out how to unleash this energy anyway. I would have liked that more. I, I honestly would have liked that more. Because it, it just... Otherwise, knowing who Karia is, even though, like, yeah, him wanting people to tremble in fear or whatever, like, makes sense, it just doesn't ring true for me that he would like get this power and then be like ha everybody gets one day be afraid it feels more like if he was that desperate if he's been searching for eons for this he would just use it he wouldn't give them the chance to recoup you know no i've got it he wants he probably wants to track down rantao Mm. find a way so she can like not be taken out by the initial blast but see what happens with it, and then kill her. That makes sense. So he wants to make sure that her, she that she of anyone else, actually is aware of what's going to happen, and that it's part it's partially her fault. That makes sense. I I, I do want to believe that's the case. I just wish the episode would make that explicit. Because even though like not everything needs to be explicit, it's just like the reasoning he gives here is very shaky. Yeah, like here it just seems like he wants to fuck with people, which, yeah. fair, that's been his character the whole time, but, yeah. Uh, after all this, we cut back to Uryu, who's just, like, still laying on the ground, completely out of commission, and then Yoshi, like, trash talks him some more, and's like, oh, I guess you were too weak after all, uh, and she, like, starts to leave, but then Uryu fires one more shot, and is like, where do you think you're going? And then the episode just ends. Yeah, she, like, turns back in shock, and you see the reflection of the arrow coming at her in her eye, and ah, it looks so cool, and then the episode ends. It, it looks really, really fucking sick. Uh, good episode. Like, I I wish, overall, that we had gotten a little more foreshadowing about this Jokai crest. I wish it hadn't just been, like, brought up just now, like... What is it, like, six episodes from the end of the arc? If that? But, you know, what What can you do? Yeah, like, I think there are a couple of moments when, uh, like, even before they go, before they attack Soul Society, I think there's a couple of moments where Maki shows up and he's like, hey, I found information on the thing, or hey, I've done the thing, and they might also be talking about the Jokai Crest in that moment, but... I don't know. That's also, like, giving them a lot of benefit of the doubt. There, the only thing is, I don't know that I agree with that. Partially because of some of the, some of the stuff that, like, is talked about next episode. Uh, because it, it, it seems, like, I, I won't say anything about the next episode until we get there, but it, it does very much seem like nobody except Karya knew this was a thing. It, it seems like he didn't inform any of his crew. That no, he was no Maki for this. was aware because he was looking for it with Maki. There, 
Okay. He says he was looking for it with Maki, and Maki's the one who narrowed it down to the R&D department. He does say that this episode, but there is a piece of information that comes up next episode that almost directly contradicts that. Unless I just read too much into it, and I, like, misread. But you are right. That is something that is said this episode. But first, before we go too far into the next episode, (laughs) let's just go with the post-credits of this one. uh, Which, it's... (laughs) The visuals are just... The R- a slow panning shot of the R&D department that, like, very slowly zooms in and no one's on screen. Was it panning but or zooming? It looked completely static to me. It's very slowly zooming in during the <laughs> entire, like, 30-second bit. <laughs> <laughs> and we we get, like, Mayuri, who's in pain off screen, and he reaches the R&D department, and then Ichigo and Chad are like, holy shit, man, like, oh, oh my god, how is, this, how is this man still alive? So Chad's like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll try lifting him, and we'll, we'll bring him to the infirmary, and he starts lifting him, and Mayori's like, oh my god, not, not like that, you're gonna fucking tear, have you seen the state of my body? You're going to tear me in half. You have to be very careful when picking me up. Oh, because let's not forget, he's missing, like, most of a leg, an arm, and almost his entire torso. Uh, (laughs) So, the humans are like, okay, so how should we carry him? And he says piggyback. So immediately, without missing a beat, Chad and Ichigo just start playing multiple rounds of rock, paper, scissors to figure (laughs) out which one of them has to take on the burden of carrying Mayuri on his back. And Mayuri just replies like, if you didn't want to fucking carry me that bad, at least just say it. Like, <laughs> Incredible bit. 10 out of 10. I love this one. He's so insulted. It's so good. <laughs> I honestly think the lack of any visuals here makes it incredible. I, I think if we would have seen it, I think it would have cut from the joke. But not seeing it, even though, like, I'm sure the reason was probably just they ran out of budget for this one. Like, incredible bit. I mean, they probably just didn't want to animate Mayuri, like, bleeding everywhere. Fair. <laughs> Who would? God. Anyway, good episode. Good episode. Should we cut to break, Sam? Yeah, let's cut the break. Let's get right back into it with episode 103, Ishida, exceeding the limits to attack. I mean, fuck, dude, he sure is. (laughs) (laughs) We pick up directly from the last episode with Yoshi using her full fan for, like, the super cool attack that she was like, oh no, the arrow! Yeah, she just blocks it, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um... She does like just telling himself, "Oh, like I'm getting used to like how when to shoot the power, but the aim's still off and the power still keeps dropping randomly." And Yoshi taunts him, and he's just like, he's just like shooting, and she like she doesn't have to move. the The shots are just going wide because he's trying to get used to the bow. Yeah. Um, like she taunts him, and she's like, "Oh, you don't want you say you don't want meaningless battles, but 
I don't want battles to mean anything. I'm just here to run around and get into fights. Like, Yoshi's just a rowdy girl. She just... (laughs) (laughs) I think she, like, explicitly here says that I've never seen a battle that had meaning. And I'm like, my my guy. (laughs) Like, do you just do this for fun? Is that your idea of fun? <laughs> well, yes, in fact, because she says she misses the days when the old would ju- uh, not the old, the strong would just beat up on the weak, and she could she could just go wild and like beat the shit out of people like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like she's like that was that was a fun time, and now here today with Karyoff doing whatever the fuck he does, I can just go around fighting people like you. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, the good old days. <laughs> so she goes on the over the she goes on the offensive and whoops, we're back to the um less impressive animation this time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's rough. Um But regardless, Ishida keeps getting up after being beaten down, so she's like, Oh yeah, okay, like I guess I have to like really beat the shit out of you. Sweet. We get a real fight, and she switches to her sword, like her... Effectively, the way her doll works is she's got the sword, she's got the fan, and she can merge with either one. Either to be, like, get access to much more devastating power, or essentially invincible defense. I know I've said it before, but, like, I really, really like her powers. Like, I I think they look sick, and that's half the reason I like them. Honestly. Yeah, whichever one she fuses with, it covers that side's arm in armor. Uh, The weapon itself gets a lot bigger. In the case of the fan, it just becomes like a giant circular shield that's bigger than she is. Uh, But also, most importantly, the talking part on the weapon turns into like this really cool, like, it looks like a Samus Aran, like, shoulder pauldron, honestly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I, I love it. it. It's great. We cut over to the Captain General's area, where we've got just a bunch of captains who are taking stock of what's going on. They're talking about, like, okay, what's the current state of things in the Serete? you're like, well, we've got a ton of injuries because there's this one asshole bound with a sword and a fan that just keeps running around beating the <laughs> shit out of people. Uh, all of Squad 2 is, like, down for the count, just period. <laughs> and also... Ichigo turned in a report, and it says there's a giant fucking room under R&D that no one knew about that has a giant power source that got stolen. Incredible. Thank you, Ichigo, for the well-thought-out and detailed report. (laughs) And they're sitting there, and they're like, well, we don't know how much of what Katia is saying is true. Like, he could be bluffing. But also... It is a fact that the Central 46 of the time sealed the damn thing away and also burnt all the records. So it's probably not harmless, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not a, not a great thing to ignore. So we should probably, like, take that into account. And, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like basically just saying, okay, we can't just call his bluff. And, like, we can't just assume he's bluffing. We'll have to actually, like sort of respect the bluff. Um, in an alley, Koga and Katia are talking about the Jokai crest with Koga being like, hey, um, basically all of our friends are dead. Just use the new, like, power boost you have to make the Shinigami give up. Like, you can do that. You're strong enough to do that. Just fucking do that. Instead of 
nuking everyone. <laughs> and his other argument is also that, like, if the Jokai Crest itself is the source, the original source of the Bounce Power, it shouldn't be used as a weapon. And I think the argument he's making here is that, hey, the one of the main things that we were we've been worried about and pat and like that's been a problem is that bounce can't reproduce. But maybe with this thing, we could make new bounce. I definitely think that's like part of the argument here. I I, I think like the main part of his argument is that like. To think about what it might stand for is, you know, taking the Jokai Crest and, you know, using it to stand for something better than just killing everybody. Like, you know, I I, I like Koga's argument here. I, 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 I was very glad we actually got this confrontation. And then he grabs Karya and <laughs> slams question mark him into a wall. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's real goofy, y'all. It, it's <laughs> this. This is not the episode that I would pick to say, "Hey, Bleach sometimes looks real sick." Yeah, no, it it, it looks kind of silly. It, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, and then he continues pleading, like, "Hey, don't use the Jokai Crest for this. Uh, like, be a good dude." And Kadia's response is to just like stab him, stab a hole through his stomach, and then leave him for dead. It it's kind of hilarious, honestly, because it. Like, it's exactly what you'd expect to happen, but it also just kind of comes out of nowhere. And, like, you don't even see his hand go through, like, Koga's abdomen. You just see, Uh, like... I hmm? don't think it's his hand. I think it's his wind. That's what I thought, too. I'm just, like, looking at the wiki, and it's like, ah, Karya thrusts his hand through Koga's abdomen. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't think that's what happened, because we definitely... You see... Karya's, like, wind swirl around his legs, uh, and then it just, like, cuts to, like, Koga's back, and you just see a pool of blood. And it's like, oh, I guess he stabbed him. (laughs) Yeah. We cut back to the Yoshishida fight, and we get, like, maybe for the fifth time this arc, the flashback of Uryu learning how to shoot a fucking arrow in the name (laughs) of justice. Like, it's cool, but... (laughs) Also, he's just standing there, and the arrow, like, the arrows that he's shooting is making his bow, like, overheat and rattle, like, a old piece of junk technology, which I really like. I love the bow, just, like, it looks like a, ba- it looks like a terribly old car that's about to break down. It, it's really good. I, I really like the visuals of his bow. I do think it's kind of funny watching his hands move here, because it's, like, you assume that the, like, parts of his bow that are attached to, like, his, like, gloves are, like, made of metal. But they're very clearly not, because they bend effortlessly. Yeah. Yeah, the the model is flexible. It's really funny. So, he he shoots an arrow at the, at Yoshi, which just gets completely blocked, and then as soon as she takes, he shoots a second arrow, like, really fast after, uh, although it looks like he, it looks like he just lets it go by by accident, and Yoshi's in the process of taking away her shield, so she has she like it almost hits her. It almost hits her like right in the face, um, and it looks like she wasn't able to do anything to to dodge or block it. Uh, and then we just get like a little moment where the both of them kind of get ready for another encounter. He shoots another arrow. She blocks it. 
And then Uryu flash steps forward towards her and he shoots her through the heart as she's trying to like shift to her sword mode and do an, uh, do an attack. It's a cool little shot, like, overall. This is also incredibly anticlimactic. <laughs> we get an explanation from Uryu about how Yoshi can't defend when attacking and she can't attack when defending. Uh, using a scene of her parrying one of his big strong shots while she's in sword mode. Yeah, it's incredibly good! <laughs> it's so fucking funny! And then, and she's like, hey, you were clearly surprised the first, like, the first time you did a double shot, you were clearly, like, shocked that it happened. Uh, so how were you able to shoot a second arrow so fast? And Uryu tells her, an arrow isn't fired, it's released. Which, honestly, really fucking cool. But then yeah. he also adds, a Quincy's arrows come from the heart, and mm, that's, you know, less cool. Okay, Mr. Yu-Gi-Oh fan. Come on. <laughs> Elsewhere, Rantau looks over the Seireite, and then we immediately cut to a library where Ukutake is doing research while dying of anime disease. Uh, turns out he wasn't, he wasn't laid up in bed and unable to, like, join the captain's beatings. He was sneaking around the library doing some research. It It's it's a good little scene here. The way... Because I, I did watch Dub this week, just because, like, you know, sometimes we change it up just because it's like, ah, uh, what what am I feeling this week? Is it, is it Dub? Is it Sub? What, what, what's going to make my attention span last this one? And this week it was Dub. The way, she, like, Kiraku explains it here, makes it sound like Ukatake has just been faking being sick this entire time, which is incredibly funny to me. It is pretty good. Uh, in their conversation, Ukatake basically says, like, oh, hey, I found a document by, like, Rantau, like, randomly while reading a book, and it turns out she just put the data in the fucking library. It's, it's buried under, like, thesis and documentation and shit, but... And it's not... It's not that she's, like, hiding a tree in the forest. Like, it's not that there's this one obvious book that's, like, all of Rantau's goddamn notes, like, sitting in a plain sight. It's that the data, the documents about the Bount have basically, and including the Jokai Crest, they, it's been split up and hidden inside other documents and books. So it's like, okay, there's a page in this one, there's a page in that one, there's a page in this one. And Kiraku's like... Uh, so we have to look through all the books? Well, they gave us a day to look over shit, so... I guess this is the best use of our time. <laughs> Pick up a book, Yoraku. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> fuck. It, the... I, I think the reason... Uh, and I'm looking at the, uh... I, I'm looking at the wiki now, and I, I guess I just misread. The reason I was like, there's, like, info that directly contradicts what, like... Uh, Karya said, is it, it's that Ichinose must have overlooked the Jokai Crest documents, and it, the way it read to me when I was watching last night was that he just didn't know about the Jokai, the Jokai Crest stuff, but no, I guess it was just he didn't know about the physical documents that were hidden here, which makes more sense. Right, because when he says that Ichinose overlooked the documents, it's right after he says... Ichinose deleted a bunch of the bount data. Yeah. But he ended he overlooked the Jokai Crest stuff. So he for, he knew when he was deleting the original data, he forgot to delete the Jokai Crest stuff. Seems important. Uh, 
Eh, it's fine. Cutter, you got the crest. It's fine. Maki's dead. He doesn't give a shit. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, we get Ishida, like, stumbling along, much like his last trip to Soul Society. <laughs> Barely able to stand. Essentially, like, seeing death, because now he meets the ghost of his grandpa? <laughs> he sure does. Who tells him, hey, it's fine. You did good. Rest. Stop fighting. Ishida argues, and the spirit's like, you know, vengeance is good and a good motivator, but also it can real it can really fuck you up. And then it like passes away. And it's like, okay, is this supposed to be a hallucination that because he's arguing with the spirit, but also you can't just put a spirit of of a loved one here in Soul Society where the spirits are people. <laughs> You know, I didn't think about it, but you're right. This makes zero sense. <laughs> the sp- Everyone here is dead. They're all spirits. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. Like, Ishida himself is a spirit because they converted his body to Reishi to go through, to go into Soul Society. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's a weird thing. I have no idea what Bleach is trying to say. It's, it's so much. I just don't understand why... They were like, ah, yes, a spirit in soul society. This makes perfect sense. Yeah, just, it's it's a very baffling scene. It's sweet, but it's also kind of confusing. Um, yeah. Chad and Ichigo just, like, show up and the three of them trade notes. Uh, there is, like, a quick bit where they're like, no, Shida, you can't go fighting. We need to take care of your, of your wounds. And then, like, Chad pushes him up against the wall and then he just kind of, like, he, like, he puts his hand in kind of like a cat paw and just kind of, like, starts scratching at Uryu's shoulder, like, I don't understand what he's doing. I I don't really understand either, honestly. <laughs> that night, Koga wakes up, having healed up with the, like, Reishi in the air, and he just, like, speaks into the air, and he's like, you know, please, Kariya, don't go... He is... He... The root of what he wants is... And this is this has been consistent with Koga's ca- entire character so far. Is he doesn't the reason he doesn't want Kadia to nuke Serete is that he doesn't want Kadia to fuck with the next generation. Yeah, he, he like he hates it when young people aren't able to like go forth and live their lives. Uh, whether those lives end up being a net good or ill, he doesn't care. He wants people to have the chance to live their lives, and if Kadia just like nukes the Serete, obviously that's a lot of lost potential. I want I want a future where Koga is just like a high school therapist, like a high school counselor, <laughs> trying yeah. to instruct the youths of our future to have bright futures. <laughs> I I I think part of what's weird to me here is that it's very unclear whether Karia like intentionally left Koga like alive. Or not, because it's like, Karya could have easily fucking killed Koga. Easily. But it, it's really hard to understand whether he, like, intentionally left him alive, or if, or if he just, like, fucking forgot. <laughs> I don't think it's ambiguous. I think he'd let- he- I- I think if he wanted Koga dead, he would have, like, summoned the giant fucking tornado. Fair. Uh, <laughs> I think this was just, hey, get out of my way, you know what I'm doing, so if you don't want to get caught up in it, you can leave. That's um, fair. 
after this, uh, Koga's just, like, walking around. He He's confronted by a bunch of Shinigami who, thankfully, immediately call their captain. And they're like, yo, Hitsugaya, like, there's a bound here. Can you can you please come come over? <laughs> Hitsugaya and Rangiku start running in that direction. Koga summons Dalk to take out the Shinigami. And that's kind of where the episode ends, like, just really ambiguously. I guess next time we're going to get Koga versus Hitsugaya. Yeah, I think that's where this is going. Uh, my favorite part here is that Hitsugaya is like, don't engage, don't engage. And, you know, you, you get that classic moment where the Soul Reapers, of course, must have had, like, their radios, like, fucked up or something. Because, you know, you, you, they go, engage, engage, and immediately start attacking Koga. <laughs> See, the secret, the real reason that Zaraki is still a captain is because, turns out, his squad is, like, the number one, everybody wants to fucking be in the squad, everyone wants to be part of Squad 11, and then they get put <laughs> into other squads, and they're like, "Oh, I don't get to be a ruffian. It's, it's really funny. I just, I'm really glad nobody pays attention to the don't engage order. Literally everybody is like, ah, yes, engage. Like, every captain on the planet is like, why, why don't you listen to me? And then there's like, well, you're kind of a wet blanket, honestly. Look at Zoraki. He just fucking murders people. Zoraki gets shit done. <laughs> He's cutting arms off left and right. God. What was the post-credits bit this time, Sam? The post-credits bit is another scene at the Shinigami Women's Association, where Nanao opens the meeting by asking, um, Hey, uh, Kione, why are you the only one here? So Kione just gives us the rundown. Soifond and Nemu are wounded and in the infirmary. Isani is their nurse. Rangiku's running around with Hitsugaya because she's doing actual work during a fucking invasion emergency. Why are you doing this meeting? <laughs> <laughs> there is a bit where Nanao is like, Rangiku working? How unusual. It, it, that part's okay. The rest of this bit fell completely flat for me, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's like... The, up to this point, joke's great. Fantastic. They mark Yachiru as location unknown. And then both of them are like, location unknown. Speaking of, we have no fucking idea where our captains are. Where are our captains? And that is and the joke. And then it cuts to the two captains looking at the camera in the library. They don't even sneeze. They do the, they do like the setup for the sneeze joke and they don't even sneeze. I don't get what's the point of cutting to the captains. Like, it, it would have been fine if they even just, like, had a little, you know, that. But no, they they did nothing here. This was a nothing bit. Also, Nanao carries a giant book with her at all times. Why would you not at least include her in the fucking library research portion of the job? Because, Sam, she's a woman, and everybody knows in Bleach, women can't do anything. Ah. <sighs> <sighs> One thing that was said in in the dub version that I'd never fucking put together myself, even though they share a last name, and I did not realize Kione and Isane are sisters. They've mentioned she's their sisters like every other women's associations clip. I I literally she never just noticed this. She calls her Onesan all the time. <laughs> I've never put it together, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> well, in fairness. I, well, actually, I was I was gonna say, in fairness, Kione, neither Kione, uh, Kione or Isane get much screen time, but then I realized that just means the scenes where Kione calls Isane Onesan is like 
a full 20% of their screen time. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I never claimed to be smart, Sam. Oh, my God. Well, our dog is getting very loud and breathing incredibly heavily, as she does. Um, so we should probably go ahead and cut this one off, you know, end the episode, as you do. This Wait, is been- I just re- I just I just <laughs> thought of a good of a great comeback. Hold on. Wait, I just have to insert it here for 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 future people to enjoy. Because you know how it is with bleach when you put too much all the colors run together. It'll wash out as you might say. <laughs> okay, please continue with the outro. This is the end of the podcast. I'm ne- I'm never recording again. You've heard it here first, folks. This is this is where I quit. Um, I I am retiring. I I have I've lived a long life, and I must retreat to Soul Society. Where, bye. <laughs> this has been it'll wash out a bleach rewatch podcast. Reluctantly, <laughs> you can find the show on Twitter at bleachcast, and you can find me on Twitter at lavender underscore pause. And you can find me on Twitter at SSBSLJ. Thank you as always for listening. I hope you have a great week. Stay cool, Chads. P.S. Listen to Meta Watch this week. It's their one year anniversary and it's fantastic. Uh, but also, the strength of the vampire is that people will not believe in him. I got nothing to add to this one. This one's a shorty. <laughs>